2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
0: From the WEEI Studios, 93.7, WEEI-FM, HD one Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. From the Studios, HD1, Lawrence, the Odyssey app. Game coverage on WEEI is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit. SoloStove.com
3: It's pretty special, and we were lucky to have him for a quarter of a century. So we only wish him well.
1: As Robert Kraft on Fox News, Fox Business, one of the Fox channels.
4: It's got to be Fox Business. He loves going on Fox. He business. does. It
1: was uh, a little aside, like on a red carpet. It was not at the Grammys, although he was at the Grammys last night. Did you see that?
4: Yes, I didn't. Wa- I didn't really watch the Grammys, but I saw. I I took in the Grammys via all the social media headlines. Where I woke up and I was like, everybody's mad at Taylor Swift about. Hold well, on, what stiff she, person she syndrome? Blew off Salim Dion. Yeah. What is? Hold on, and also Joni Mitchell has something about like parasites coming out of your skin. I was like, there's a lot happening here.
1: You don't watch the Grammys.
4: I didn't watch the Grammys.
1: Arkan? I missed most of it. I, I almost forgot HBO it was even on. You watched some of it?
2: Yeah, I caught I caught little bits and pieces. I watched some Grammys. Yeah.
1: Robert Kraft was there, just, you know,
2: doing what he does. I'm sad he wasn't dancing around like he did with Cardi B. After I mean, that. he probably was, for he all I know. Of. He's
1: hobnobbing Not with, you know, stage, the, the beautiful people. That's probably what he was doing. In hour big, number two. big
4: pappy over here, you heard?
1: <laughs> <laughs> hour number two, Jones and Mego with Arkan here on WEI. Yes, Taylor Swift, very, very rude to uh celine dion well
4: celine night. dion has a serious medical condition doesn't isn't yeah, that the I, explanation i think for she it? hadn't
1: been seen in in
4: public so for a while i don't know without getting into all the conspiracy theories or like people who are just mad about it wasn't it like yeah, she didn't know she was supposed to like give yeah. her a hug or something yeah because... she just she
1: just blew her i don't even think she knew it was celine dion <laughs> wait what <laughs> i don't think she knew it was celine dion or at least what celine dion was going through i have no idea uh, but no, whatever she didn't, she wasn't very gracious. It was a rare PR misstep for Taylor Swift last night. Who get ready uh, for her this week, and get ready for Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady this week. Robert Kraft uh, was speaking about Bill Belichick there. Uh, he also spoke about Patrick Mahomes and
3: Tom Brady. Why don't we hear that? They're both off the charts. Look, I had a personal relationship and great love for Tom Brady, and I don't. I think if Patrick is pretty special and if he can evolve and Sustain it the way Tom did and it looks like he's on the path. That's great But what I also like about him is I've heard and the little I've seen is a great human being the way Tommy's off the charts so that and and that's great for America that two people who are so accomplished can be so good representatives to young people. Okay, so
1: I mean he's not exactly shooting down the idea of Mahomes being the next Brady. Not that he says he's going to catch him in Super Bowls or anything like that, but he's not exactly like, boy, they don't belong in the same breath. He's putting them right there in the same breath and talking about how great of people they are and everything, although... Yikes, Mahomes' personal life, or at least the people around him, oh, are really falling apart. Oh, there. With his dad that getting his
2: third DUI is what I saw. Where yeah, Mahomes needs just... to win another Super Bowl to match his dad's DUI.
1: Title. Oh,
4: <laughs> come on. He does. I didn't realize that his dad actually did jail time. Like, that's wild. <laughs> that
1: is true. That's uh, the, the leader. Can you're awful. The leader on the, uh, the Mahomes uh, big board there is uh, Pat Sr. Maybe get him a driver, Pat. There
2: are so many...
1: Songs about rainbows. So, you know, let's Robert Kraft carrying on about uh, how good he is in his personal life. Hmm. But anyway, when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, just get ready for a lot of this this week. It kind of ratcheted down. Like, in the aftermath of Mahomes first getting there, uh, meaning to the Super Bowl, back to the Super Bowl, it ratcheted down a little bit last week. People last Monday were like, oh, God, here we go, two weeks of this. We did a couple of segments on it last Monday. And we'll talk about it all week. We'll get back into it. It's worth talking about. Because what else do we have to talk about with this dumb team? You know, it's like it's like uh, you could talk about the nostalgia and talk about the glory days because that's where you're going. You know, you're now a Yankees fan whose team hasn't won in a decade plus, or Canadians fan whose team hasn't won since the early '90s. Well, that's now
4: you. You're not there, yeah. No, you are halfway there. No,
1: you're there. This you're is you. You're halfway there. This is you're you're there, Mego, with the you're stupid plan they have. Removed. This is this is it. You're there. This is what you are now. You're a Canadians fan talking about the great times, or a Yankees fan talking about all your rings. That's who you are. And so it's going to be a worthwhile topic and a big topic all week, nationally, and we'll see how much we get to it here. I was reading Charles Robinson, uh, who I enjoy his work. This is more of a uh, a column and commentary piece than any reporting. But he made the analogy that Mahomes is like Tiger Woods chasing Jack Nicholas now. I thought it was a good analogy. A lot of people go to Jordan and LeBron. I went to Jordan and LeBron last week. I think that's a pretty standard one to go to. But, you know, whether it's, it's Tiger and Jack Nicholas or – Jordan and LeBron, or you know, he referenced Federer and Djokovic as well in the story, like how many times do you need to see it? Where you go, we're never gonna see this again, and almost before you can get the sentence out, it's it's happening again where that person is being challenged. Mahomes may never catch Brady, but he's already challenged, six years into his career, he's challenging what Brady did, six years in. Just like Tiger Woods was trending ahead of Jack Nicklaus, never caught him, got to 15, not 18, you know, uh, Federer finally passed Pete Sampras. People are like, "We'll never see it again." Nadal and Djokovic both passed him. So, how many times do you need to see that play out before we just write off we're never going to see it again? And I thought that was a good reminder with the Tiger Woods analogy.
4: I agree. Like we, the discussion we had last week is that the pace that Mahomes is on, if if he wins this third Super Bowl is so comparable to how Brady started out his career. There's such mirror images in terms of their accomplishments, except that Patrick Mahomes has gotten more recognition at the individual level with his MVPs. Yeah, he's been better. And so you can say, like, okay, there's a real threat to this, even though it would be seven compared to three if you're just looking on the individual level of those two quarterbacks. The... The way that Patriots fans are going to feel about it is that Brady did it for 20 years and until Mahomes is continuing this pace and doesn't have any laps like Brady had for a decade in winning championships until he gets to five in, I don't know, like 12 years time or something or seven seasons or uh, like however ridiculous pace he would need to keep up what he's doing right now. It's always going to be Brady did it for 20 years. Brady has seven. Like, it, I think it's fair to say the paces right now are very, very similar. And so you can look ahead and be worried about what's happening ahead. Yeah. While at the same time saying it's still early. It's early in the career no, it to is. say that he's going to match or surpass Brady.
1: It's early. But this is why Tiger is a great analogy. And Tiger never caught Jack Nicholas, And Mahomes may never catch Brady. I don't know. I can't predict the future on that. But Tiger was trending ahead of Jack early in his career. And if Mahomes wins again, he's trending ahead of Brady. He's basically matched Brady to this point, right? He's at his fourth Super Bowl. He's already been to more Super Bowls than Brady had in his first six years. Whether he wins or not, we'll see on Sunday. And he's got the MVPs to boot. So we're also about to hit this stage for Brady where he doesn't win again until 2014. So that's why this is such a big year for this debate, Arcan. Yeah. You get, this is
2: like a fork in the road. It is. It's yeah. like
1: you get there, you get the third. You still have Andy Reid, you still have Travis Kelsey. How much longer are you going to have those two? Who knows? You're going to have to remake yourself for a Dynasty 2.0 if you're ever going to have to catch Brady. But he has a long platform to do it if he breaks through and wins against the Niners. And I, I by the way, think they're going like, to. Have you had any developments on that? Who do, you, who do
2: you think wins this game? I've been Chiefs the whole time, but I waited on putting any money onto it because when the first uh, line opened, they were both minus. And the Chiefs now have become full on the I underdog. Pl- I took
1: them at plus one hundred and five. I got
2: them at plus one hundred and ten. So, so you got yeah. at, you got them better it, than They me. may be going up from there even, but I wanted to wait until it was in the plus before I made a bet, just because I mean, how many times in a row can you do it before <laughs> you, know, you just realize, okay, maybe these guys aren't the underdog every week. We said we said They this, keep on winning.
1: We said it a couple of weeks ago. They they feel like, they feel like the Patriots. Yeah, uh, I was I'm not shocked at all. They went into Baltimore and beat Baltimore. I expected it, and I'd expect this against the Niners as well.
2: Like, do I think he can beat Brock Purdy? Yes. <laughs> right, me too. I like Brock Brady more yeah. the
1: most. But yes, uh six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. You can jump in on all of it. A big week out in Vegas just getting underway. John is in the car on Bill Belichick checking his next stop. Go ahead, John.
2: Yeah, I uh I absolutely think he's gonna be taking over for Tom Brady and he's gonna work with uh, scratchy. Tim Gray doing uh, halftime Sunday night uh, or Monday night, whatever it is, Westwood 1. be two Interviews. funny voices there on that podcast, elect- wouldn't it? <laughs> oh,
1: oh, it would be electric. Those two voices it would be electric, Arcade. Okay, so, so this is... Oh, what- that would be the, the, un- the unintentional comedy would be off the charts. So I do kind of wonder if Bill's going to do something like that. Like, the more we talk it out and what he could do. The studio format might not be a great one for Bill. Bellacast. Yeah, something something like that where he's doing – you wanted him to do the Bellistrator, right, RK? I still want him to like do the Like something pre-recorded might be better for Bill because you can really control the message, and Bill very much cares about controlling the message if we've learned anything about how he handled the media here and how he allowed his players to deal with the media here. Those football lives and all those NFL films things that he's done are heavily, heavily edited with team input and KSP, Craft Sports Production, input on the Do Your Job special and Bill Belichick of football life. Maybe that's more the the realm for him.
4: Don't you think it'll be strange, too, with the direction that these studio shows are going in on game day? Bill sitting at a desk with four other guys. Yes. It feels weird. Like, it just feels like there's not going to be a lot of banter there. It's already— But that's where you get It's already a process— Right, right. And so it's—I just think that when you talk about doing something where it's just Bill-focused— it seems like a much more natural fit than him sitting at a big desk being like, "Ho ho, you're right on that one. Rexy. I mean, you
1: can look at it two ways. Like he's already getting paid by craft. So maybe he doesn't need every last dollar, but then we know bill Belichick over the last 20 years. And he probably wants every last dollar. And if you really want to get paid and you want a cushy gig, cause that's a cushy gig. You show up one day a week and you get 10 million a year or whatever the hell he's going to get. Like I could see him leaning that way, but I don't know if that'd be the best fit for him. Be the best payday and the easiest gig for sure. 617-779-7937 Best
2: Payday's not doing anything and getting the 25 mil from Robert Kraft. No, but there's no offset language for doing TV. Is there not? I don't know. I don't think so. If you get like another for doing job. Doing TV? Well, for doing anything. No, I don't I don't
1: I, that's completely separate I think. If he's if he's getting another job I don't I
2: honestly don't know.
1: I don't believe I don't believe he would have to give up any of the money that Kraft was giving. If he wanted to consult for a team he might have to, or obviously if he wanted to be a head coach somewhere he might have to, but I don't I don't think it'd TV. Uh, we'll get to your feedback here on the game. How do you see it shaking out between Mahomes and the Niners? Brady and Mahomes chasing him down, that Tiger Woods analogy uh, at 617-779-7937, plus some Red Sox developments over the weekend. Theo Epstein's role coming into focus. The Athletic released a survey where fans not thrilled with the direction of the franchise. Can't say I blame them. And if you didn't know any better, it was truck day today over at Fenway Park. How did that go? We can get to all of it with your phone calls right after Trending with Arkin.
3: you are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela,
4: the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
0: You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Say W-E-E-I's a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now, more of Jones and Mego on W-E-E-I. Here's my thing, I covered him his entire tenure in Boston, I got to know him decently well at least as an executive and I will tell you this about Theo Epstein, he is way too competitive to just sit back and watch the Red Sox be terrible. Do I think that he's going to come in and start running the team and change what they do this year? No, it might take a while, it might take a year, it might take two. I don't know, I, I, I seem to get the sense that this job is more like a consultant gig. Out of the shoots. However, in the long term, having Theo Epstein as part of the Red Sox ownership team should make fans feel a lot better now than they did at this time yesterday. And I won't back down from that for a second.
1: So I felt on Friday, I'm like, I hate everything the Red Sox do. I don't like anything they do. I haven't trusted ownership for, I would guess, longer than most in this city. I haven't liked any personnel moves they've made. I've hated their offseason. They've been cheaping out for five years. Move after move after move, I dislike. Maybe the Devers extension I was okay with now that we're talking it out and I'm thinking about it. But largely, I don't like anything they do. This is the first time I said, oh, they might be on to something. And maybe this is the beginning of digging their way out from rock bottom. Winter weekend, this offseason, Sam Kennedy finger-wagging fans about being liars. They may never get lower than that. That might be as low as it got. And maybe Theo is where we look at it and say they brought him in and this is where they began to turn it around. You wouldn't know watching Truck Day today, Meggo. You see some of those videos.
4: Tough what I saw out there. tough for Brooksy. Surprised that
2: many people showed
4: up.
1: I mean, Ryan dropped in a tweet from Gabrielle Starr at the Herald. And the picture is just bleak. I know Jackson was down there today, right, with the Greg Hill Show? I
4: will say the weather was horrible this morning. It was just, like, really cold and raw.
1: As opposed to all those other great yeah, February right. mornings. Exactly. What do you mean? It was, just, there was, I went out there was no rain. Was, there was no snow. No, it was
4: very windy and cold. It was not a fun day to stand around okay, and again, look at
1: to, a truck. To Ryan's point, it's ne- it never is in February. And people used to b- b- clamor around and show up and cheer on the stupid truck. And snowstorms. Gabrielle Starr of the Boston Herald said, Truck Day appears to be all Red Sox employees. With one family with a Believe in Boston flag.
4: That just makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> that just pumps me out.
2: for Red Sox fans. A bunch of Dodgers fans
1: showed up it's and like, took it over. <laughs>
4: they just took it over and ran a
1: parade. Wow, we should do that in the future, RK. We should have another fan base show up and just march down the street on truck day. Yeah. So it's all empl- It's like Sam Kennedy out there and, you know, a bunch of Red Sox employees and one family who's like, "Woo, Believe in Boston. And so, whatever truck days lost some luster. It was always dumb. I was just reading electric, reading Tamazi, who you heard there on NBC Sports Boston late last week. He wrote about this today as well. He's like, remember truck day? How it used to matter? Like, and it was always a sham, and it was silly. But like, people used to care. Maybe "matters" the wrong word, but people used to care as dumb as it was and as fake as it was. It was an event. It was an event. It symbolized, like, all right, yeah, the Red Sox are starting. I'm excited and it was, for baseball. It was stupid, and we all saw through it, but it still kind of symbolized the beginning of spring. Now it's all employees and one family with a dumb flag.
4: And it happened around the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, it happened when the Patriots were constantly in the Super Bowl. So it's not like there wasn't anything else, like, nothing else going on. Now there's nothing else going on, and people don't care about Truck Day. Like, there's the lowest care f- rating of Truck Day in r- the last 20 years.
1: Yeah, I, it's a low Q rating. And I think it's been it's been going down for years. And it's just another way to measure it. Although the Athletic had a survey today, which has a uh, great way of measuring things. If you want to jump in on the Red Sox in their direction, you can. It's 617-779-7937. I, just, I feel like Theo has the potential. And maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm too glass half full. I get accused of this all the time. But I feel like this could be the beginning of them digging out. And if you were reading Sean McAdam over the weekend, Chris Cotillo over the weekend. Arkan, you talked to McAdam yesterday. Yes. I think they they understand to a degree where they're at. And maybe they brought in Theo for PR purposes. We talked about this a lot on Friday. But just acknowledging you have a problem, Red Sox, is a big first step. And it's the first place I've seen them even indirectly acknowledge that there's a problem. So before we get to the athletic survey and and what McAdam wrote, what what jumped out from talking to him, Arkin?
2: Well... It was a combination of things. He wasn't surprised by how skeptical and sort of cynical Red Sox fans are about this, but he also was quick to say that while Theo is going to be – involved in baseball it's not going to be instead of all the other things that they're doing at Fenway Sports Group he's not going to be doing just baseball it's going to be and we already heard he's going to be part of the manager search for um Liverpool and he's going to be have his hand in some other things uh he'll be working with the Penguins GM and you know the stuff with Kyle Dubas Dubas and the racing uh, team and all that other stuff so it's not like he's just brought in and he's going to be only with the Red Sox and he's not going to touch anything else but it is sort of hard to shake the idea that everything this guy touches turns to gold. You know, I mean, really, he's had a literal Midas touch in baseball everywhere he's gone, and he is still part of baseball. The only thing that I still am kind of hung up on with this, and I, I talked to McAdam about it a little bit, is the fact that he's been part of like he's part of this private equity firm that owns a stake in Fenway Sports Group. So it's not like he was really far away, and it's not like he had no say or no bearing on anything that was going yeah, on but whatsoever. Who knew that? No one really knew it, but like LeBron James is a minority owner. Is I understand. he LeBron James? Like, what I understand is LeBron making decisions? But here's
1: the point when you, if if no one really knows you're involved, then your reputation's not at stake. Now people know he's involved, true. and your yeah. reputation on some level is at stake. So he's like, whatever. No one really knows I'm even advising the Red Sox. And if they just want to keep doing what they're doing, now he now he has, I think, a bigger stake in it like an actual tangible stake, now in my opinion as a minority owner, and maybe he was already getting some money off of it before in some capacity, but an actual stake in FSG, and we all know he's now working for the Red Sox, and, and not just we all know, everybody knows, the whole baseball world knows, all the fans know, and so you're going to be associated with this crap now, Theo. Now you're associated with it. You could do it uh, in the dark corners before. Now you're associated with it, and this is going to stick to you, and so he's got a pretty squeaky clean reputation to this point in terms of ending a curse with the Red Sox, ending one with the Cubs, helping to turn around baseball and at least prolong its death, making it more watchable. And so now he's just going to go along with this? I I don't believe that, and I never believe that. We were talking about that a lot on Friday. Here's what I liked from what McAdam and Cotillo wrote. According to people with an understanding of the arrangement between Epstein and the Red Sox, he was brought back into the fold, at least in part due to Red Sox ownership, privately acknowledging that they have at times – not given the club the attention it deserved in recent years as the FSG portfolio has rapidly grown. And I think you see that reflected. It's why Ken and Curtis had such a great interview with Sam Kennedy and Tom Werner. It's like, you don't spend the same way on this team. So do you care as much? And they are acknowledging privately they don't care as much. The attention to detail isn't there. The spending isn't there. Epstein, despite taking on a part-time behind-the-scenes advisory role, and that's what you were just talking about, Arkan that includes involvement in all of FSG's properties, will be tasked with reinstituting processes and lines of communication that made the Red Sox so successful during his tenure as general manager from 2003 to 2011. Despite team president Sam Kennedy and others repeatedly reaffirming the ownership group's commitment to the Red Sox publicly, within the organization there's been an internal realization that the club needs to be more of a priority for FSG and that winning fans back is paramount. After three last place finishes in four years, and a disappointing offseason that included inconsistent rhetoric from the team uh, brass, and that's referencing full throttle and then not spending. So if they're acknowledging it and now Theo's more of a face on it, I think that's a good first step. And I I don't want Theo to come out and say, hey, go sign Jordan Montgomery. I don't even want that. That's not what I want them to do. I want Theo to pick his spots with John Henry and really lean on him and save it for something that matters, not Jordan Montgomery, which that's a PR signing at this point. That is PR 101. Hey, let's sell to the fans we actually are going to spend. I want Theo to pick his spots, and if it's next offseason or if it's at the trade deadline or it's trading one of these prospects who all seem overrated for an established major leaguer to pick that spot. Don't just say, hey, let's go sign J.D. Martinez or let's bring in Jordan Montgomery. I don't want him doing that. I want him to do something that's actually going to change the trajectory fundamentally of this team.
4: I'll start with my cons first. Cons? I hate any time I hear language like consultant, processes. Like, that is nothing language to me. Yeah, it's corporate speech, yeah. yeah. It probably means, I don't know, 12 different things that he's going to be doing, but it's vague terminology. So I would have rather heard them say, we now acknowledge that we don't have a good balance between our farm system and our spending at the major league level. We acknowledge that our valuations of free agents and possible trades have been way off <laughs> like if it could be something that specific we could put it and go aha so Theo will be able to impart some of his knowledge there because it's really been lacking here but my pros I'll say and this is kind of what I was saying on Friday what I was hoping was the case this demonstrates some freaking self-awareness self-awareness we've been neglecting the team now the fans notice it's not going so hot something's wrong here something's off Maybe we can't exactly put our finger on all the different miscues we've had because it can't just be Xander Bogarts. Look at that. It was actually not the worst move to let Xander Bogarts go. Mookie Betts, what do you want us to do? We didn't want to F- be here. You know, Like they can argue all these different things if they want to justify it to themselves. But it sounds like if you read Tomasi here and you believe this and you believe Catillo and you believe McAdam, that this is at least some acknowledgement that they've really been screwing up and that they're really worried now about losing the fan base. And that is a huge sign of progress yeah. me. to
1: let me. Let me give you one more thing I liked and was reassured by reading McAdam. And Arkan, he, he echoed some of this when you talked to him yesterday. Um, And maybe, again, maybe I'm being too glass half full and I'm just eating up what the Red Sox are feeding me and I'm being spun. It's possible. I feel a little more comfortable with the explanation for why he's going to be involved with Liverpool and the Penguins and everything else. If Theo wants to be an owner someday... Whether it's an expansion team, McAdam keeps referencing that. If he wants to be an owner, he wants to see how all these different organizations within FSG are running. And so he's going to learn about how Liverpool runs. And he's going to learn about how Pittsburgh runs. But I don't think he's giving a lot of input there. I think he's going to be along for the ride with hiring the Liverpool manager. Do you think he's like spearheading that? I don't. I don't know. (laughs) I think he's going to sit in on it and he's going to learn about it. And learn about the process. And same thing with the Penguins. And Sam
2: Kennedy was there signing the contract with the PGA. So I mean, you know, it's it's possible that they're just bringing people along and sort of showing them the ropes. Exactly.
1: Right. And so yeah. uh, listening to McAdam with you and reading him, hopefully he's just he he's getting all the information he can because FSG has all these resources, and so he's going to learn about these other teams. But where his input is actually going to be felt. I think, is the Red Sox. And that that's reassuring.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. And one thing McAdam also stressed, and you just read it in that uh, segment, there, that passage that you had there, is the messaging part of this and how full throttle and you're a liar and all that stuff has really sort of hurt things and been a real problem. I just don't know that I, like you need Theo to come in and be the new PR guy because Sam Kennedy's not yes. doing a good job with I, it. I, I talked I want him to Friday. do more than that. I don't just want him to come in here and be a front facing okay. PR guy. But that's no I don't want him to do that. I don't care do about the either. messaging. Like the yeah, messaging, you do. Not as much as I care about the team no, of course and the not. roster and the way it looks. Like, yeah, these guys have a lot of faux pas and they have to go back and, and sort of Yeah, but he can fix it. I guess maybe he can, but you know, can you do you just take the mic away from them forever? Yes. And they can't ever talk again? It's yes. gonna be all going through Theo. Yes. Well, if they're not improving the team, then I don't give a rad's if Theo's going to come out there and put lipstick on this stupid pig, of course, obviously. But you don't think they have a messaging problem? They do have a messaging okay, problem. Okay, so maybe he can fix that. But Theo needs to fix the team, yeah. not the messaging. No, of course, I think he's going to do
1: both. But I don't, I don't see how the messaging part hurts. Full throttle. You guys are all liars?
2: The team has a messaging problem. Of course they do. Okay. But the problem, the reason why those messages don't come through, especially full throttle, is because that's not the philosophy of the team right now. No, no. He needs to fix the spending first. That's number one. Like, if the the Red Sox had been making a bunch of moves and they were bad moves, like a bunch of bad signings, guys that they spent too much money on and they shouldn't have, and Theo's coming to sort of, you know, fix that fine, they're not doing anything. They're not doing anything. There's nothing for him to fit. Like, you have to change the entire philosophy of the way you're doing business. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what he's is that what he's brought in for? I hope so.
4: So I think Arkan brings up a good point here, which is, at what point do you actually do you actually look for results from Theo? I don't because we're 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 getting now like from it's very early. When
1: you answer your question, when
4: next season? Yeah,
1: exactly. Like I think if in the if next off season, the trade deadline and next off season, they haven't. I don't expect him to change it this off season. It's too late, and maybe that's giving him too much leeway. I don't expect him to change it this offseason. Who's he going to sign? I don't want any of these guys that are out there. I wanted Otani. I wanted Yamamoto. I don't want these guys. So next offseason. If they haven't changed their ways in spending by next offseason, and they haven't changed their approach at the trade deadline, and they're just collecting uh, prospects and not adding to the big league roster, that'll stick to them. This offseason, I think we're too far gone. Um, The Athletic, though, and all of this survey ran before Theo Epstein was brought back to the Red Sox in an official capacity. Uh, They had a survey of like 3,000-plus Red Sox fans, uh, really close to 3,500 Red Sox fans. They asked a number of questions. Uh, For instance, after one offseason under Craig Breslow, have your feelings changed about how Haim Bloom ran the team? 67% say no. Should the Red Sox have fired Haim Bloom? 54% still say yes. How confident are you in Craig Breslow? 48% are right in the middle. Not very confident, not confident at all, right dead smack in the middle, just like, meh, I don't know about Craig Breslow. Okay? So there's stuff like that in there that I think is interesting, but less relevant. Uh, here's where it gets a little more relevant. How concerned are you about the Red Sox projected payroll cuts? 67%, very concerned, compared to 2.3% who say not at all. Uh, How confident are you in the ownership group led by John Henry, Tom Werner, and Sam Kennedy? 62% not confident at all. How does your confidence in this year compare to this time last year entering the 2023 season? 35% say a little less confident. 34% say a lot less confident. So read that another way. Almost 70% say we're not confident at all. And how confident are you in the Red Sox that they're headed in the right direction on a scale of one to five, 40% say not confident at all. You're a liar. <laughs> so I'm telling you it it's out of their actions. Arcan. you're hundred percent right. They need to spend on the team. They need to fix the team, but there's also this like messaging disconnect where John Henry's not popular. Sam Kennedy and Tom Warner aren't popular. Theo is popular. And in the meantime, they do have a messaging issue. Maybe that buys them a little bit of time to actually get some of these processes, Right and actually spend on this team and reinvest in the Red Sox because, as they'll acknowledge privately, not when Sam Kennedy's yelling at you on winter weekend, Chris Curtis and uh, Ken Laird, but they're acknowledging they haven't given it the attention it deserves. And that acknowledgement to me is the first big step along with bringing in Theo that maybe, maybe... They're back on a path towards relevance.
4: But this athletic survey, what it does to me is demonstrate exactly why. Jones, we were talking at the break about the amount of people out there whose reaction to the Theo Epstein news was, uh, oh, what a crummy PR stunt. Like, they're using Theo for this. They're just throwing this at us because they didn't give us any players this offseason because they won't spend any money on this team. And so it would be extremely short-sighted and extremely underwhelming and underestimating this fan base if they think that they can win back fans for this season by just putting Theo Epstein in some kind of honorary title or making him some kind of figurehead. Yeah. Like, well, if anything, I think that this survey demonstrates it's going to take a hell of a lot more than that. And I, I wouldn't put it past John Henry to sit there and say, yeah, we have Theo Epstein back. Look, it's just like 2004 again. But I w- I would put it past Theo. Like, I don't think that Theo, again, I said this before, I don't think Theo Epstein comes in here and lets himself be made a pawn and puts his reputation on the line when it's been as sterling as it's been in baseball up to this point. Have you
1: moved on that at all, Arkin? Like, you thought it was all a PR stunt last week.
2: I still think it is, yeah. I mean, I think that it's, you know... So Theo- he's
1: just here to cash in, and, you know, if FSG ever sells or goes public, he'll make money off of it, and that's why he's here.
2: I think he's going to be working with the Red Sox. I don't think he's not going to do anything, but I think, you know, he's buying in as a minor- minority owner. He's not taking a job in the front office. Like, it's just it's a different thing. And the team right now has a philosophy that I'm not sure Theo Epstein's going to come in and change. Like, when Dave Dombrowski got there in 2015 did they spend because they, he convinced them to or was that the philosophy of the team at that time is we have money let's go out and get David Price and let's trade our prospects and do all those things or did Dave Dombrowski have to go in and sit well, down Dombrowski and, pushed them and for convince sure. him okay but that was something they were open to doing kind of they I haven't mean, been open to that since then with the last one and they're not doing it now with uh, with uh, Breslow so ben it's Chari- like
1: Ben Sherrington didn't spend Ben
2: Sherrington did spend not like yes not he like did Dombrowski. He signed Pablo Sandoval he signed Hanley yeah. Ramirez they signed people he
1: also brought in like Victorino and a bunch of spare pu- and that works by the way it but did end also, up working he too. also
2: brought in a bunch of spare parts in one off season Sure, but Hayan Bloom hasn't been able to spend like that even. I mean, no, you know, I agree. you got one guy got to sign Trevor Story. That was it. But before Dombrowski's spending for them was down. It wasn't
1: like it wasn't like the Theo years and you know, 04 and 07. It certainly wasn't like the Dombrowski it years. It wasn't like that, no. Their spending was down. So I, I
2: also think- don't think it was because Dave Dombrowski went in there and said, guys, we got to spend. I think they said, okay, we'll spend. Let's bring in a guy who's good at spending. Let's bring in someone who has that same kind of philosophy. And that was the way the organization went. I don't think Dombrowski came in and convinced him So why they that. fire uh, because he spent too much and that they were over he uh, balanced with the money. Yeah, he I think them. that's exactly it.
1: Yeah, right. So hopefully Theo pushes them like Dombrowski. Because you don't get fired if you do exactly what the boss wants you to do. He pushed them. And they said, mm, we spent more than we wanted to, Dave. And so hopefully Theo does that. And I, I hope, again, it's the first sign of relevance for this team. Because they've been irrelevant. If, if you needed any more evidence, look at Truck Day. It's a bunch of Red Sox employees and one family with a Red Sox flag. And that's it. How do you feel about Theo? Back with the Red Sox. Uh, Is it still a PR stunt? Do you still feel that way? Or are you starting to hope a little bit he could be more invested with an organization that a lot of you don't believe in based on that athletic survey? You can jump in on all of it. Plus, we have Marcus Smart. His return to TD Garden last night. One prominent writer in the Boston Globe says they should retire Marcus Smart's number. Let's get to that with all your thoughts next.
0: From the Root. Stein Law Studios, 1-800-BOS-LEGAL. This is WEEI. Listen to every MLB game live. The
2: deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone.
0: Stream minor league affiliates.
2: The Midwest League home run leader.
0: And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only 3 dollars per month.
2: Deep left field, it's gonna go! Alvarez ties the game!
0: Subscribe to AtBat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
4: A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search, then download.
0: This is Jones and Mego on W-E-E-I.
4: What are the emotions? What are you expecting
0: to feel tonight coming back?
2: So thank you, Marcus. To be honest, I don't know. I'm expecting it just... Uh, really just let it be for, for me to just be surprised. We're not where we're at as a team if it wasn't for him. Go out there and, uh, you know, um, embrace whatever happens, whatever, um, whatever it is emotionally, um, and just let myself uh, get lost in the moment. It was incredible for this organization from the time he got drafted to the time he got traded.
1: Marcus Smart back in the building last night. Standing Ovation. Not a lot of dry eyes in the house for a guy who, you know, nice enough player, I guess. But the commentary over the years got way out of whack, up to and including on NBC Sports Boston last night with Brian Scalabrini. I'm sure we'll ask him about it when he joins us on Wednesday at 4-ish o'clock here on Jones and Mego with Arcan. I mean, you know my feeling on Marcus Smart. I just... My blood started to curdle the second I saw the the highlights of Marcus Smart flopping and diving and doing all the stuff he did. So I just, I, I never got it. I always thought it was wildly overrated. I don't miss him. I don't really think fans miss him watching the team. I think largely you've forgotten about him. But he was back in the building last night. And one thing I will say is the Heroes Among Us thing was a legitimately cool thing for him. Very good in the community. I put stock in that. But when it comes to his impact on the team, on the floor, I-, I think he was more detriment than a help.
4: So where do you want me to go with this? I How know. I felt about that? Because you know my feeling. like I, I, The reason why people love Marcus Smart, those who do, and I include myself in one of those people, is because of the effort that he seemed to show. Like And whether you believe in that effort yeah, or no, not, he, you think He let it's you fake know hustle. he was trying hard, yeah. You know, people like watching that effort. I like watching that kind of player. And way more so the stuff off the court that he does with the um, Young Game Changer Foundation is awesome. So I'm glad that he got honored with that last night. I think it was the fitting thing because he's in street clothes. You know, it's kind of like awkward to honor somebody who won didn't win a championship with you and is back in the building and can't play on the court because he's injured, you know, it's all underwhelming. And so to give the honor of the heroes among us is a really, I thought very classy way for the Celtics to do it. All that said, look, where we sit right now, I can confidently say that it was a blockbuster trade. It was a great trade for the Celtics that they made. I understand it's emotionally tough, and that it's tough seeing him back here for a lot of fans who love him and still wish he could be part of this team and wish that he could r- win a ring with Boston. But it was the right trade. Like, I'll go far enough to say that.
1: Yeah, I mean, not even close. They they traded a role player for a guy who could be an all-star this year. I mean, Porzingis might be an all-star replacement, for all I know, for Randall or Embiid or somebody like that. Arkan, your thoughts on last night before we get to Gary Washburn and the Globe?
2: Well, first of all, my main thought was that that team is just my God. <laughs> like that, watching that Grizzlies team, watching what they what they put out there, and I know that Smart was hurt and Bain was hurt, thirteen other guys are hurt, and Morant's out for the year. But man, like that, if Smart ever comes back, like what a what a dead end team to go back to. I sort of felt bad about that. I felt bad that he's on stuck on this dead end team. But as far as well, I don't made, know, I he's mean, made a big
1: difference there. This oh time. yeah, I will, give, sure. I will give him that. Yeah,
2: I'm not sure that there are a lot of Celtics. There's maybe Celtics fans who are sad that he's not part of the team, but what I think more so even than that you got a great trade for him is that Derek White passed him by last year. I think Mm -hmm. that that's mainly like what it comes down to is that Derek White sort of proved to be a more important player, a more well-rounded player, a better offensive scorer, obviously. I mean, there's no question about that. And defensively, he rose to a level that, you know, Smart wasn't at last year when he was second team all defense. So I think that that really softened the blow a lot, too. Um, It wasn't even the first trade that was supposed to get made. They initially wanted to move Brogdon, and they traded him later. So that that all kind of that all kind of really ratcheted up the emotions of it because you thought you were going to be able to keep everybody, and then a little bit later on, you know, to help soften it even more, Drew Holiday gets signed. So it's like there's there's a lot of reasons why it's easy to forget about Marcus Smart.
1: And, again.
4: Jones, you were very early on the Derek White stuff. It, you just made Man. it hard to agree with you.
1: Yeah, he's better than Marcus Smart. And so if Marcus Smart was still here and they traded Brogdon, White wouldn't be breaking out the way that he is. And so he got in the way of Derek White. Drew Holiday is more... I'm seeing it in the Twitch chat right now. Like, Drew Holiday is an upgrade on Marcus Smart. I knew that before he was here. Uh, Celtics fans apparently needed to watch Drew Holiday night in and night out. And by the way, Drew Holiday, this is not even peak Drew Holiday. This is like, you know, breaking down... 33-year-old
4: Drew Holiday. Still
1: hanging on Drew Holiday. This is not prime Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday in his prime is twice the player Marcus Smart ever was. So... I hope you now see that there are other players who add similar things without all the baggage that Marcus Smart brings. And I think fans are now seeing that. Nice moment for him last night. Over the top, like it always is with Marcus Smart. But that's how it's been. Speaking of over the top, Gary Washburn, normally pretty level-headed. What is this? (laughs) Should the Celtics eventually retire number 36? Yes, they should, he writes. Mad Dog, he says yes. No! (laughs) Longtime Celtic Marcus Smart reflects on his time in Boston during his return. I mean, the only reason we'd even entertain it is because the Celtics retire everyone, but you, can't, you cannot retire the number of a guy who didn't win in Boston. Really, for any team in this city, we should not be retiring numbers for guys who didn't win based on the last 20 years. We shouldn't. If you wanted to do that prior to the last 20 years, fine, it's too late, but we shouldn't do it now, especially that organization. Like, when you have the most championships in the history of the league, you and the Lakers... You can't be celebrating guys who didn't win. You just, you, especially role players who didn't win. You can't do that.
4: Yeah, I believe Gary's justification with that was that Marcus didn't ask out, that he got traded. Yeah, and it's and, like okay, and well, some of the some
1: of the community stuff.
4: Yeah, the community stuff for sure. Look, Ray Allen did amazing stuff for the um, juvenile diabetes community in Boston. Like his number's not retired, and he also won. There's reasons that his number's not retired. Like it's okay to say that. It's okay to say like we love this player and he was here for nine years and he was a huge core of this team and say, but he doesn't belong up in the rafters or he didn't earn his way up in the rafters. Like both things can be okay. And I say, this as somebody who loves Marcus smart and has a lot of respect for what he did off the court. There's one, there's one Celtic who has his number retired in the rafters that didn't win a championship. It's Reggie Lewis. Like I, I, I just think it would be setting a different standard, and if you say, okay, that's the standard that I want for numbers retired in the rafters, whatever, that's your standard. Like, at the end of the day, we're talking about freaking jerseys in the rafters. Like, no. okay, if you want to I know. if you want to put the fabric up there, put the fabric up there. I'm just saying, if you look at the history of the franchise, it, it really doesn't meet well, the standard that's set right in now. In
1: some ways, it does. They have a pretty low bar. Like, they retire everybody. And so everybody who is part of a dynasty, most of them do win, not Reggie Lewis. And so there are numbers up there that shouldn't be retired. I wouldn't have Reggie Lewis's number retire. I wouldn't have Cedric Maxwell's number retired or, you know, Ed McCauley, Bill Sharman, Don Nelson, Jim Laskatuff. Like there's a bunch of numbers I would take down. Okay. Ryan, did you just tell me the Bulls have only retired two numbers? Uh, from their championship team. I see. So they only retired. Jerry Sloan's number is up there. Bob Love's number is up there. But from those championship and teams,
4: Rodman's number should be up there. It's no. just come on. Pippen it could be all like sparkling crazy colors. Okay, what, <laughs> and once in a while, like a firework just explodes out of it.
1: That's what you should be doing. Jordan and Pippin, like that. Those are good like, retired. You're numbers. asking for Ron Harper's number to be Honestly, retired. Honestly, even Pippen, I'd be like, eh. Retire Jordan's number. I don't even know that you need to retire Pippen's number, for God's sakes. No, really, you have to retire you Pippen's You really want number. to start limiting it? Like, do I need Robert Parrish's and Kevin McHale up there on the rafters? Eh. Bird? Sure. Russell? Yes. Like, but if you really
2: want to start limiting it, let's start limiting
4: it. You're going to start hurting our cancelling.
1: Marcus, is smart. Marcus smart. Like, what are we talking about, Gary?
2: Well, you're talking about leaving out Hall of Famers. I mean, you know, if you're in the Hall of Fame, that's a pretty good reason right there to get your number retired, I would say. I'd cut it yeah, off right there. Yeah. Hall of Fame career. Pippen, Pippen up got dragged along by Jordan just like McHale. Okay, okay got Pippen's dragged a Hall of along of by. Yeah, so, yeah, I know. So's Parish and So's Michael are Hall of Famers. Danny Ainge is a Hall of Famer, like not everybody on those teams were. The guys who were were for a reason. So I would limit it right there. You want to do it just by Hall of Famers, that's fine. That still cuts off a ton of Celtics. Like, you know, guys in the Celtics who were just there in the 60s and won those championships and shouldn't be uh, having smart. their numbers retired I and even by those standards with the Celtics who let everybody in Smart still doesn't hit those standards
1: we so should like,
4: give like a DPOY water fountain that <laughs> way he can have his own special thing just like the IST banner
1: I just it's unbelievable that th- when I say the commentary around Marcus Smart is out of control and I've known this for seven eight years like going back to like a second year in the league I'm like what what is it with this guy that people love he can't make shots and his defense is way overrated. It's the effort. Okay, so we retire his number?
4: No, I don't think he should. But this is what
1: I but this is what the commentary around him has always been insane. To the point where you just needed him out of the way for guys like Tatum and Brown, and you can easily replace the production with Derek White and Drew Holiday. Never mind upgrade him with Kristaps Porzingis. Nami Kato was a plus 11 through five minutes last night. Are we retiring his number because he gave a lot of effort? <laughs> no, you should. Uh, but Put that up He's there. on the my record. radar. Number no, I, 88. No, I, lo- I love the effort that he has. Uh, so what do you think? Retire 36? Retire 88
2: for Antoine Walker. 779-7937.
1: 7, 7, 9, 7, 7. Your thoughts on the Just blowing out the Grizzlies last night. Uh, right in Marcus Smart's face. Uh, how much do they miss him? You can jump in on all that. Plus, we'll get back to the Patriots and their plan. It's our big question of the day up now at Jones and Mega. Uh, are you a fan of the Patriots post Bill Belichick plan? We'll get back to it next. You're listening
0: to Jones and Mega on WEEI.